You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast, bringing you perspective from the plains. I'm one of your hosts, Chuck Williams. Joining me is Brendan Williams. Brendan, how's it going? It's going good, man. Another week. Excellent, excellent. And joining us in Arlington, Texas, is the great Matthew Hodges. Matt, how you doing, man? Real good, Chuck. Man, it's nice to be back. Excellent. Yeah, it is nice to be back. We've done a lot this last week, and it seems like a lot of stuff going on here uh, next week. So, Yeah, it's been busy. Yeah, so I guess this week what we'll jump in on is covering some of the rallies that we went to. And we have a, a special guest as well. Absolutely. Matt, why don't you introduce a, a returning guest? Returning friend of the pod. Returning champion. Professor Patrick Ross coming to us from Winfield, Kansas. How's it going, Pat? Great. Looking forward to the end of the semester. We got three days left. Summer vacation. Wow, that early, huh? Not early enough. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> it's tough out there for scientists. <laughs> and we'll jump into that a little bit with those science marches today. And uh, we will take you out on a high note as usual. So without further ado, let's go for it. What do we want to pass on to future generations? That we just stayed here on earth that we didn't look out to find out where we come from and are we alone no we want to pass on this joy this excitement when a nation dreams big everything falls into place beyond the horizon over the next hill that's where we make discoveries that's the next frontier it is in us so yeah i don't know who wants to start it off who had the coolest march Whose march was the best? I went to the one down in Fort Worth, and Star Telegram was estimating that we had something like 1,100 people down there, which was, I mean, for a pretty gray and drizzly day in Fort Worth, I was surprised at how many people came out. And, I mean, it was people of all ages, all genders, all ethnicities, and a whole bunch of dogs also. A whole bunch of kids down there marching, kids at protests always strike me as kind of odd because it's like did they really understand why they're out there but you know some of them had clearly made their own signs with oh rocket ships they understand and stuff why them, they're so. out there mm-hmm. because i'm gonna be grounded from dad if i don't go you know? <laughs> i mean they, they understand it's not really a i mean would you consider the, them protests i mean they were more positive i mean they weren't really against anything they were for supporting science yeah it was like pro earth day right well and that's something i want to get into a little bit uh this idea that the march organizers the national organization said that they wanted these things to be political but nonpartisan, and uh also saw some some comments on the facebook page for hours at least with people saying Look, you can't you can't have anything on your sign that's about Donald Trump or the current administration, uh, because Oops. that's just you know that's it, yeah right. <clears throat> that's just that's just alienating people. But I couldn't figure that line of thinking out because there wouldn't be a need for a march for science if not for the actions that this specific administration is taking. I went to the uh, march in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that was a great march. It didn't have as many people as the women's march. You know, the Lincoln Journal star was saying hundreds of people showed up, but you can't really believe the corporate media, guys. Let me tell you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not really good at estimating those things by eyeball account or eyewitness, but it it seemed like there was over a thousand people. I mean, between the Capitol and the university, the whole, you know, mall was full of people marching, at least on half the side. So, I mean, it was pretty big, but 
there were three speakers and the final speaker was mentioning how he did not want to make it political, but there was no way that it, what he was saying wasn't political, you know, talking about this fear of actual facts and this denial of facts it's political. <laughs> Not just denial of facts, but denial of facts from a specifically political perspective. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, rejecting climate change science because it undercuts the bottom line of energy industries and stuff like that. You know, uh, the objections to science are political. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's sad that you can even say the stance of like, I think science is good is like a bipartisan, you know, political <laughs> right. wedge issue somehow. Yep. It, it's ridiculous. Well, and the scientists didn't make science political the politicians made it political absolutely and if our response is we can't have a march for science without saying political things then it basically cuts our balls (laughs) off and that is you know i'm I'm not going to go into this fight like this my way of living my way of thinking is under using this like it's political to shut down discussion, right? When it's political and they say like, oh, science is, it's a liberal conspiracy or it's a Chinese conspiracy or whatever, that's somehow not political. It's okay for them to say that. But when you say like, no, I think science is good, sometimes it's like, oh, now you're getting political and you're politicizing science. And Pat, you and I have talked about this before that we need scientists to be more vocal and more active in the public sphere because if you're just doing science as a kind of a cloistered profession, you're not getting the message out to policymakers or the people who are going to vote for them. Yeah, we had a a couple of speakers, and the first speaker, I believe, was from Wichita State. We had about uh, 600 folks on the courthouse steps uh, for the first part of our march, and the different speakers really exemplified some of the potential for scientists to really be advocates for science and also the old way of doing things where scientists are terrible spokespeople for science. And the first individual was from Wichita State, and he wanted to be deep and abstract and talk about all the accomplishments that science has made and and how important it has been to the history of mankind and um, that everything we do is is <laughs> due to the results of scientists and engineers, and he put everyone to sleep. And and you know, oftentimes that's the best a scientist seems to be able to do is to come up with a um, a nice speech that would be a boring little article. Somewhere. Yeah, you want to be a science professor and not yeah. a, an activist. He definitely had his professor shoes on. And then the next person to step up was a female engineer who was fairly young, maybe late 20s, early 30s, who had a fire under her and talked about her personal story as uh, going to uh, electrical engineering school. And the first class that she was in, she was one of uh, 26 students and the only woman in the class, mm-hmm. and what that felt like and why she doesn't want any other little girl to feel that way again. And she doesn't want any kid to feel that science is a less than noble profession. And she made it personal. And she was just as as well-trained and high-tech as the other guy. But I think that's our failure. We tend to talk Mm -hmm. about science in the abstract, in these broad terms, as opposed to making it personal. And that, I think, is the the key to turning it into a, a potent political message, is making it personal. 
Um, why do we love science? What sure. dragged me into this kicking and screaming? And why could I not do anything else on this planet except play in the area of science? And and that will awaken. I, I think this is a good place to mention this article from The Atlantic by uh, Andrew Jewett, uh, who talked about the, the March for Science. And his big critique of it came from a place that I wasn't expecting. He said that the march actually needed to be more political. Because it's it's not sufficient to say uh, science, capital S science, promotes enlightenment and civil rights and, you know, a more inclusive environment. Those are all political decisions. Um, you know, science also brought us things like eugenics and the hydrogen bomb. So <laughs> right. you, can't, you can't just say, yeah, exactly. You can't just say that science as, a, as an abstract is going to benefit all humanity. There, there are implicit, implicit value judgments built into the whole thing. And the March for Science, he thought, needed to actually go a little bit farther and say, we want the kind of science that promotes a more egalitarian society, one that raises people out of poverty, one that gets us to the stars, um, and and not not have it be so abstract as to be, you know, basically meaningless. And yeah, I think uh, I think introducing the personal, the personal story, the personal philosophy into that is the way you do that. I agree with that, but at the same time, I feel like right now, anytime you start getting that way, people start acting like you're uh, Bernie Sandersing out or something. You know, like, <laughs> we need to make it so that the ninety nine percent. You know, I mean, I get it that it's supposed to help. I mean, one of the things that was cool about the march in Lincoln, and I don't know if this happened at your guys's uh, or the marches you all attended, was that they were talking more about GMOs and the importance of GMOs, and huh. you know, that's something that um, I noticed, and I thought that that was pretty cool politically. So, I think that's one of the coolest things about this march is that. You know, even in places like Lincoln, like Wichita, that you wouldn't think of of turning out like a big political rally for science, we're able to turn out these crowds and, and getting people excited about science. And Trump had all these statements come out about, oh, you know, here on Earth Day, you know, we're science is so important and stuff. Right. Uh, at the same time that he's, you know, planning to like cut, cut, cut at funding for everything, you know, sure. including education about science. I think it's really cool to see so many people, you know, showing up and showing like that's not the position of of a lot of people out there. It's really cool to see. I think it's also really important to have those voices in the red states. One of one of these other articles I pulled is this. Uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty bad take from Slate. Uh, go figure. Uh, by Jeremy Samuel Faust, who talks about how this love for science tends to be this like liberal elitist uh, shibboleth oh, where like dogmatic for science or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That, that science, you <laughs> know, liking science. science is a religion and you know, it's, it's just another excuse for like big city liberals to look down on the, the uneducated underclasses in, in red States. Um, and well, I, I think there was a certain, you know, there were a number of purposes or, or, uh, personalities that came out of even the Wichita rally. You know, you'd look around and there was almost this contest among, you know, what else to call it, the intellectual elite to see who could come up with the most clever science pun on their side. <laughs> and everybody wanted to take pictures of who they thought was the funniest one. 
and a lot of uh, patting each other on the back for being there and, and being wonderful. And I, I sort of tried to think, you know, what, what is the purpose of this um, besides making ourselves feel good about each other? And, and actually, that's part of the purpose. Yeah, it's it rallying the base. Those rallies, yeah, it's not going to change Sam Brown back into a pro-science <laughs> governor, but it does make, especially in the red states, people who support science um, realize that, that they're not alone. Um, and the liberals in those states, the progressives in those states, need a, uh, a little love in every now sure. and then. Right. Um, another thing that came out was it was just simply a celebration of science. People brought their kids to go to these science mm-hmm. demonstrations. Um, there was an alum from Southwestern who's a faculty member at uh, McPherson uh, doing a bunch of spider demonstrations. So there was just that celebration. And there was the political message. One of the speakers was James Thompson. Uh, the fellow who unsuccessfully um, ran for Congress mm-hmm. uh, just a couple oh, right. weeks ago for, to fill um, Pompeo's seat. And uh, when they announced him, they said, well, you know, we're not really supposed to be political, but this is the only political candidate who wanted to come, so <laughs> here you go. And the crowd goes nuts because everybody sure. loves him, mm. at least among this crowd. So part of it was political, part of it was let's all feel good about each other. And part of it was really a celebration of science. I mean, I'm not one who really gets into chanting and that kind of <laughs> right. really grab me, but I like I like promoting science and, and making our voices heard so other people who agree with us know they're not alone. Right. I'm glad you brought up that recent election because that, that Wichita election got a lot of national attention because even though the, the Democratic candidate lost, there was like a 20-point swing Mm-hmm. Um, versus previous results. And I think it really is important to, like you were saying, Matt, especially in these redder states, to have these type of events to show people like, hey, you're not alone. Like, it can be very isolating to be in a red state with left-leaning politics in a state that's just considered like solid red. Mm-hmm. It can feel really isolating and it could feel like, oh man, I'm the only one. We're never going to win. But when you have events like this, it reminds you to there's something positive to focus on as opposed right. to just being like, well, we lost again. Oh, big yeah. surprise. I met a guy at the Fort Worth rally who was at the science march. Sort of, He was kind of spectating. He didn't make a sign, but, he, you know, he walked with us. But he said that he had also showed up for the Fort Worth women's rally and said that on both occasions, he was just moved to tears that there was so much passion and so much solidarity with these progressive causes in a place where you wouldn't necessarily expect that. And I thought that was a really cool perspective. The solidarity part was good. I also think another component was just the education and not necessarily just of you know the impacts of science, but the education of what's at stake in terms of what's currently happening politically. I think that people were able to get a lot out of that and that might scare people into it or into more action or at least being a little bit more aware. But I think that the um, patting each other on the back part, at least in Nebraska, one of the speakers, and I'm going to botch this right now, but I believe he was a a PhD professor at the university and he had, it was like plant science or something like that, where he found a, a compound in algae that was similar to in brains that had depression or something like that. Hmm. And I mean, I forget what it is. We'll have to edit in the real thing <laughs> later here, but it blew me away. And I mean, giving people a little bit of a sense of pride that, you know, scientific developments come out of a state, they absolutely come out of red states 
in places like, you know, the Midwest. So those things are incredibly important. And I was glad about that. You know, scientists that were there were happy to see solidarity from people that aren't in the science community, but that are resisting, you know, the threat that they're under. So. Sure. Well, and I think plenty of people understand that even if they're not directly involved in creating science, if they're not, you know, I, I spoke to a whole bunch of people down there and a bunch of them were, you know, female engineering students or, you know, one gal was a, an ecology student who was looking forward to grad school and kind of worried about whether there was going to be even funding for the programs that she wanted to go into. But even the people who weren't directly involved in science understood, you know, they all had kind of pet issues. I saw a whole lot of signs that had to do with um, climate change, just basically acknowledging climate change is a real thing. It's happening. We need a government that respects the science behind that and uh, will make policy uh, to to ameliorate that as much as possible. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a shared value system. And that that's why, I, you know, I really didn't like this Slate article where, you know, it's talking about the cult of science, like, or uh, I guess what Richard Feynman once called cargo cult science, where it's science is sort of a like lifestyle marketing thing. I, I thought it was noteworthy that the author who wrote this article making this criticism didn't actually attend a science march, you know, give himself oh, a lot of, of credit for being on Twitter the whole day and, you know, retweeting things about the science marches. But he wasn't actually out there talking to people and what they cared about. This wasn't some, you know, for most people, certainly all the people I spoke to, this wasn't some frou-frou you know, capital S science, um, kind of in the abstract thing, they all had issues that really spoke to them that they wanted to be out there promoting and showing support for. And, and I think that Slate article was wrongheaded for another reason. Oh, I, lay it on. I, I hated this article. <laughs> um, sort of, you know, misunderstood the purpose of these rallies, that they, these rallies were not there to galvanize a bunch of folks to act that weren't previously going mm -hmm. to act. One of the odd things that happened at our rally is uh, one of the speakers was urging us all, don't, you know, make sure you vote. And I'm going, you don't need to tell these guys to vote. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. These are the folks you need to take to the next level. Mm -hmm. You know, the folks who show up to rallies are, are typically, yeah, voting is not a big deal. These are the folks you need to persuade to run for office. Absolutely. Yes. These are the folks you need to persuade to get involved. You've already got them to one level of involvement. Now push them to the next level. Um, voting, that's, you know, door to door knocking on, on people's uh, windows, trying to get them out to the polls. That's a whole different thing. And I think in terms of getting the public revved up about science, it's, it's baby steps. And if the first step is getting them to wear a button or put a bumper sticker on their car or be able to name more than one famous scientist mm. uh, that's done work in the 21st century, that's a positive step. Uh, but you got to start yeah. somewhere. And Absolutely. Yeah, if their support for science is enthusiastic but superficial, I'll take that. <laughs> sure. Because we, we, we didn't used to have that. Yeah. Right. Um, and you can work with that. And then you can start talking about, well, do you really understand what science is? What's the difference between knowledge and science? Uh, to what degree do we need to, uh, is this rally not so much about science, but about critical thinking mm -hmm. um, and the careful consideration of evidence? Uh, 
because you know you hold up a piece of rock and you go, look, science. No, that's not science. That's a rock. Um, <laughs> science is a way of knowing, a way of testing among competing mm-hmm. hypotheses. Uh, nature is not science. Engineering is not science. Technology is not science. They're the products of science, but science itself is a process. But first, you got to get them to love rocks and butterflies and dinosaurs and sell t-shirts. Right. The people <laughs> right. who are like, quote, anti-science you know, it's such a ridiculous position to try to take because basically you're just saying like we shouldn't observe the world and like write it down and then test it <laughs> and see. If, once you understand what science really is, it's really not possible to be opposed to it. And it doesn't even it doesn't even make sense to, to be opposed to it. We should learn more about the world that we live in. Why don't you tell the audience who you are and um, what you're here for and uh, who you're with? My name is Steve. Uh, I'm a computer programmer, support science, and uh, I was here to uh, help stand and resist against uh, Trumpism. My name is Maggie Eubanks, and I go to Nebraska Wesleyan University, and I'm an environmental biologist major, so I'm out here supporting the environment and the planet and all that stuff. And where did you get this Missy Elliott suit? Um, We actually made it. It was just a blue suit, and we spray-painted the earth on it, yeah. I'm Dr. Kim Carlson, and we're with the University of Nebraska at Kearney Chapter of Sigma Xi, the um, National Scientific Research Honorary. My name is Joseph Moore. I am a science fiction author, uh, but right now my focus is uh, seems fitting enough for science here at the state capitol. So I'm just here standing up for science, uh, for the scientific method, and for secularism. Hi, I'm Donna Roller, and I'm here with a bunch of friends of mine, and we're supporting the Lincoln Democratic candidates. And we thought we would get out to encourage people to vote May 2nd is very, very, very important. We have a great mayor in the city of Lincoln, and he is progressive. He's done a lot of wonderful things with solar panels and energy and sustainability. And we need some people on the city council that will be with him and and make this city more sustainable. So how did you feel after the event, or how did you feel about the event and seeing all the people out here? I thought it was fantastic. It's great to see a lot of people who aren't maybe scientists come out and support science, which is what we need. Yeah, I thought it was really positive. I feel like I'm not alone. Um, I, thought it, I thought it was really great. It was cool. I've been fighting the KXL for many years. I've been on the ship for a long time. I'm tired. And now Trump is just the final straw, and um, he's going to kill the earth. I am encouraged that the number of people that came out but it may already be too late. What I'm taking from this, Chuck, is this this progressive movement is real, but now we just gotta translate that into us getting into office so we can legislate progressive uh, policies. But we're on the same side as far as this issue goes. That's right. So we're just gonna keep the, keep the unity here. Like Bernie Sanders says, run for office and vote. Yep. So the reason why that ties in with the science because had we have people in office that represents the true democratic uh, uh, secularism that this country is supposed to be, we'd have people in office who'd vote for funding for Na- more, more funding for NASA, more funding for the uh, the Science Foundation, more funding for scientific pursuit for for our medical needs, and also to deal with uh, climate change. That takes science. And I think that ties into one of the themes that we've been talking about recently, which is political infighting among the left. And I think 
science gatekeeping is not something that that we need to encourage. We're saying like <laughs> you're not a real science fan just because you posted right. that that meme. How many peer reviewed blinded double blinded studies have you done this week? You exactly. Know? <laughs> I, I don't think that's the that's the right approach to to bringing in you know new people. And I'm going to be super cheesy here and read a quote from one of my favorite books ever, which is right on point with a whole lot of what we've talked about tonight. This is from. Green Mars, which is the second book in the Mars trilogy by Kim Stanley Robinson. Um, <laughs> so, so, Matt, I just ran a book discussion on Red Mars last week. Oh, no kidding. Uh, we'll do that as a separate discussion. So good. Yeah. Let's, nice. uh, I mean, you and I could just release a bonus episode talking about the Mars. Trilogy. One person showed up to the <laughs> damn book discussion. I needed there. I had so much I wanted to talk about. Oh, should have recorded man. it. Should have podcasted it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, get that guy and we'll, we'll do a bonus liquid flannel. You know, this will be like the liquid flannel <laughs> science spinoff. But uh, okay, so this is the quote, and it's a, a psychiatrist talking to a scientist. He's basically the, the sciencyest of all of the scientists, and he's kind of lost his way. He's feeling really uh, depressed. He's been through some uh, pretty serious uh, personal stuff. And the psychiatrist is telling him in this interview, you know, you have to remember what your values are. You have to remember why you got into this in the first place. And he says, the scientist's job is to explore everything, no matter the difficulties to stay open, to accept ambiguity, to attempt to fuse with the object of knowledge, to admit that there are values shot through the whole enterprise, to love it, to work toward discovering the values by which we should live, to work to enact those values in the world, to explore, and more than that, to create. And I love that, and I've got that as a profile quote on one of my many social media, because I, I think that speaks exactly to what we've been True talking respect. about that it that yes it's it's critical thinking but it's also it's got to be humanistic it it has to have real effects in people's lives and it can you know pat you were talking about how it, you'll take the person who just has that kind of superficial understanding of science as a as a value i think we need to look at the knock on effects of that too where i mean that's the kind of parent who's going to buy a chemistry set or a little magnet kit or something for for their kids to play with and start to develop that kind of curiosity it's it's the sort of household that's going to encourage its kids to to go into engineering or computer science or astronomy but not just that um and, and that's important i'm not belittling that but if there's a way to take that adult who's forgotten how to be a child mm. who's forgotten to ask questions, to be curious, and and reawaken that. Sure, you know, that's that's my goal too. It's harder. Uh, well, that's why that's why we need more animatronic dinosaurs. I mean, I've I've never yes. known a single adult who didn't like an animatronic dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> that that quote from Green Mars. I haven't read Green Mars yet. Um, oh, the story's not even uh, going yet. You've only read Red Mars. Oh man, right. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Well, well, that's for another time. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> the, uh, that quote is great because he talks about science as being inescapable, inescapably human and valueless. Mm -hmm. And certainly when we run a particular experiment, you know, we're supposed to be objective and, and eh, it's sort of kind of true. But when we decide what questions we're going to answer, what research to pursue, what kind of experiments to do. That is immensely value-laden. What we as a, as a society decide should be our emphasis in terms of what science gets funded, 
and what science gets ignored and what questions are interesting, mm-hmm. that is incredibly laden with our, uh, with our humanity. And so when we decide that a certain area of, of science is not worth pursuing, it's uninteresting, or it's all been settled. And, and you know, some of the criticisms that you mentioned that science also brought us, you know, eugenics and the atomic bomb, you know, that is the human-laden aspect of science. When sure. we decided that an important thing for scientists to do, and this is, eugenics was not something that was just pursued by, by Hitler. Um, eugenics was pursued by a number of well-respected American geneticists because they thought it was a good idea until Hitler gave it a bad name, I guess. Mm. There's been a book recently written about how the Nazi party actually drew a bunch of its eugenicism from studies that were going on in the United States. That This was a science that yeah. was kind of born here and then got exported. Taken to the basically. next level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, you know, we as a people thought that, you know, pursuing some sort of perfection of humanity uh, was a high priority. And so we dumped a bunch of mental and, and financial resources into it. In the 60s, we decided reaching out to the moon was going to be the priority. Right. Finding a cure for cancer. Once it becomes saving the planet, then we as a people will have made a pretty good decision. But I, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. You know, having events like the the March for Science and, and these type of things to remind people, having that awareness of science and having that value of science makes it harder for the government to cut a bunch of funding to science because then you're vocalizing an opposition to that. And sure. just having people, reminding people like, hey, science is here, science is important, Science helps you and your family. Mm-hmm. It helps our economy. You know, there's so many great arguments that they don't hear, but they do hear the argument of like, well, it costs too much money. Uh, that They're hearing that a lot. So it's important for them to hear the other side as well so that they can make an informed decision when they're talking, you know, to their politicians about what type of policies, you know, need to be supported or should be supported. And hopefully, you know, keeping that front of mind will remind them, you know, what their vote means when they're voting for candidates. And with Trump, his, his, um, his decisions about science funding are, are value laden. I mean, he is taking a broad ax to a lot of funding, right. but then there's some very specific things, you know, NASA, he still sort of likes NASA except mm. for the satellite coverage monitoring the earth's climate. Sure. That's where the cuts are. Right. That's not an objective decision. That reflects his values and the values of the Republican Party. And just today, he announced that you know he he plans to put a man on Mars during his administration. And of <laughs> course, Twitter Twitter immediately responded with, "Can it be him? Like, do we need to you know do we need to make this a like a challenge to him? Like, you're not really going to be the president until you're the one who goes. It's First, the only place where your orange skin will truly look beautiful. <laughs> it's it's made for you." <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think he camouflaged, you know, Trump going out there saying, like, I think we should do a manned mission to Mars in within my administration. Just again, you know, betrays his complete ignorance of science and like what that would entail and the time frame that he thinks that it would be possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope Trump uh, continues funding NASA, even if it's for the completely wrong reason of just thinking it makes him look cool. Right. You know, maybe maybe that's the strategy. Maybe we need to convince him somehow that, you know, being an environmentalist is cool, that people will love him if he protects, you know what? if he does things to protect the Great Barrier Reef. I think if Reef. he, like, as president, like, goes and visits a national park, he maybe could. If he could just get out of, like, his uh, estate in Mar-a-Lago 
and go to an act like Yosemite and be like, wow, nature is beautiful. Like, what? we shouldn't put a bunch of oil yeah. derricks here. Well, it would just have to be the big one. So, you know, Grand Canyon, <laughs> Great Barrier Reef, Big Bend. <laughs> no Little Park or something the, like Little Yeah, Sioux let's or... see the giant sequoias. <laughs> oh. The Sand Hills of Nebraska. Oh, wait. No, yeah. Well, did you see his tweets about the parks and stuff uh, on Earth Day? He's kind of trying to roll back some of the things that have been done under the Antiquities Act because he feels like, you know, we've done too much, you know, protection of natural resources. But, I mean, we know we know this right. about the guy that he'll he'll do whatever the last person in the room said. And it turns out that the last person in the room is always like an oil executive. Or Kanye. Well, right. I mean, he said stay on Earth Day. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Or, or, or it's Ted, always or Kanye. Ted Nugent and uh, who was Kid it? Rock. Kid Rock and My Ted Nugent. My name is Kid. Oh, God, I saw those pictures. Oh, you know what I hated about that, though? Sorry, Chuck. You know what I hated about that the most was this, uh, like, liberal uh, outrage about, can you believe they didn't take their cowboy hats off in the Oval Office? And it's like, look, we've got the... We've got the Hardy's president in office right now. Like all of the respect for this office is gone at this point. I thought for sure Kid Rock would show the respect. I I just can't believe it's part of his head now. So so, out of character, you know. Well, no, it's totally in character. I mean, that's the character, right? Thumb, middle finger to the law. Anyway, (laughs) no, I mean Trump had basically tweeted out some tweet about you know how we need to uh, remember the beautiful parks and everything and people said this is ridiculous coming from you and he responded i'm committed to keeping our air and water clean but always remember that economic growth enhances environmental protection jobs matter exclamation that's why i passed the coal waste and streams bill i'm just gonna say (laughs) i love rivers capitalism and environmental protection are mutually exclusive (laughs) well you just have to assign economic value to destroying the environment which is what they should totally do that's been done we know how Mm -hmm. much we know how much we're gonna lose agriculturally if uh if wild bees start you know continue to drop at the rate that they're dropping we've done that we know how much money we're going to lose it's not motivating change well but you never hear democrats talk about that you'll hear trump talk about how the other side but you never hear anyone making the opposite argument i mean i feel like if the argument was voiced more uh, maybe it could gain some traction that's a start right I have to say there's tremendous military application in space. We're rebuilding our military like never before. Uh, We're ordering equipment and we're going to have the strongest military that we've ever had, the strongest military that the world has ever seen, and there's been no time where we need it more. And I'm sure that every student watching wants to know what is next for Americans in space. Glenn's death yesterday raising the question of how prominent a role NASA will take in Trump's administration and more broadly in America's future. NASA watchers were alarmed by comments from senior Trump advisor Bob Walker who indicated NASA's climate change research was unnecessary. Walker telling the newspaper The Guardian that Trump viewed NASA more in an exploration role. Uh, But water is such a uh, precious resource up here that we also uh, are cleaning up our urine and making it drinkable, and it's really not as bad as it sounds. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Better you than me. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero.
Well, okay. I mean, this this kind of leads us into uh, the the closing of this this discussion. Then, what comes next? You know, what do we do? Uh, Pat, you had an idea that I, I think definitely needs to be on this list, which is that these people who are out at the science marches, it's not just that they need to vote; it's that they need to be running for office. But you know, what else can we promote based on the the momentum? Um, started with with this march and then hopefully continued in the the climate rallies next weekend. I sort of see a two pronged approach. Um, one is we need to turn our experts, our scientists, into better public speakers, into better yeah. spokespeople for science. Um, I think one mistake that happens is a separation between the folks who are good at making a speech and good at getting people revved up and the folks with the knowledge and that you have somebody saying, uh, yeah, they're good in front of the camera and they say something stupid. They say something that's technically wrong about science. Right. Um, and unfortunately the folks who have most of the information, right. Are sometimes kind of boring and uh, quiet. Quiet and, well, and also uh, just like talk intentionally the hold themselves intentionally hold themselves back from the discussion because there is this this pervasive feeling that science isn't political so let's not politicize right. it mm-hmm. but that misunderstands the whole enterprise it is political it's always going to be political and you know how does a scientist do this without coming across as arrogant as elite um, you know we need th- there should be an army of uh, Bill Nye's. Um, yeah, but there's not. There's yeah. not. Well, why don't science uh, guys just hire PR guys? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in all of our grants. Right. Uh, and then I think the other uh, uh, science is, hype man <laughs> is then galvanizing the folks who are revved up about this to uh, to act, um, to not just pat themselves in the back. That's fine. Not just to vote. That's wonderful. Um, but to actually get involved. And I know being on a city commission uh, or a county advisory board or a board of education sounds Mm -hmm. incredibly tedious and boring. And it is, but it's so important. (laughs) And the other side has figured this out way before the progressives did. And we are way behind in that respect that all of this stuff is one in the trenches in the little public offices. Yeah, I'd there like are no see... small parts, only small actors. Yeah, I'd like to see Wonderful. more scientists <laughs> or people from science backgrounds running for political office as well. I mean, I think if doctors and lawyers and yeah. just general, you know, yeah. rich people or whatever, not just homeopaths, like Ben Carson, reality TV stars, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think it's cool you know, to have you know to have that on your resume and be running for public office. I mean, I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think there is this perception, and you saw that in some of the articles, that when a scientist runs for office, that somehow that contaminates their science, um, that they can no, their results can no longer be trusted as being objective. Uh, before you ran for office, you were still a human being. We couldn't trust you to right. begin with. Well, right. And you did it later. It's not well, like it I goes mean... back in time and <laughs> ruins your science. I guess it was <laughs> yeah. all part of that big science conspiracy from the start. Oh, yeah.
Right. Well, and what's what's nice to see is uh, some of this is actually taking form now. Uh, there's a an action campaign called 314 Action, um, which is intentionally set up to get people with science backgrounds to run for office. So um, I'd cool. like to you know monitor them a little bit more and right. you know support them yeah uh, as much as possible and with all the trump budget cuts they're going to be unemployed anyway so i mean they got nothing but time on their hands exactly <laughs> <laughs> awesome is that the closer <laughs> i think that's <laughs> nice that, that's shut it, it down all right well yeah, I, this has been a great discussion. Pat, thanks so much for being with us to talk about the science marches. Uh, we've got some great audio that you're going to hear through this episode of people who we spoke to at the different science marches. And yeah, I think, Chuck, you're going to be in D.C. next week for the climate march also, right? Yep, I will be there. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah, thanks again, Pat, for, for joining us. Uh, you know, one more appearance and you're going to do the liquid flannel hat trick. So that'll be great. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and it's and a for big the new honor. liquid flannel uh, book discussion, uh, book club. Your new yeah, podcast. yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll we'll have uh, the same woman who showed up for the the book club discussion uh, in Winfield, who will be our main listener, and you and I can just uh, drink beer and talk about Red Mars for hours. Yeah. And well, that's <laughs> a, that's a new reason for me to come to Dallas at the end of the month in May. Excellent. I wanted to do a <laughs> book club for 1984. We could still make it happen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again, Pat. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. Okay, I've got I've got the queen of talking about why we're here uh, right here with me. So. Hey, awesome. So, yeah, we are three uh, 20-something females, and we're all in engineering or math and science of some sort. So we've got a civil engineer, a structural consulting engineer, and a biochemistry nerd gone rogue and she's now at a startup so we're all about stem um, my shirt actually says steminist today because i wanted people to know that women ladies in science are holding it down uh, especially in a place that can be as um, as interesting as texas i'm out here because science isn't just isn't just policies it's more than that it's everything science is just what is here today because for me science is the basis of all the knowledge we have all the progress that we've made and anything that goes against that is not only going to detract from what we could possi possibly achieve in the future but definitely is going to less lessen the the lives of everyone on the planet as a whole so I actually go to this school I just got my PhD last week okay and congratulations as, thank you very much as students we work tirelessly to find the truth and we use science to argue every single day what the truth is so that we can cure diseases. So I mean I'm, I'm here a medical student uh, and just looking at things like uh, seeing so many people not vaccinating, seeing diseases like measles and mumps coming back. Really I think it's a good thing to, to take a stand and say listen, you gotta listen to the science. My sign says this just makes no fucking sense and it's Bill Nye but science does. On the other side, says Dumbledore wouldn't let this happen. <laughs> Man, I just—I'm really out here for the, you know, climate change, just because I think it's important to start changing what we're doing with our planet and uh, leaving it for the people who are ahead of us. Because I mean, that's what it's all about—is the next person. I'm an ecology major. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I saw the EPA gavel, and it's a real threat to. I'm going to graduate into this field. Right. So my field might not have the support or even the job.
when I go to grad school, there are even scientists saying that if you're going to graduate and you're going to go to grad school, you're not going to get the resources you need. Um, we're out here because we believe in science and we want our kids to believe in science and we want our kids to be educated in science. And uh, I want policy dictated by actual science. I don't want um, my kids' lives and uh, futures put in jeopardy because um, President Trump doesn't believe in the science. I, I, my grandfather was a research chemist, and you know I grew up with science in my household, and I'm ready to pass that on to the next generation. Um, well, I'm a geology major, so I'm all about environmental science, and that's what brings me out here. Nice. Keeping good and up and going. Well, I'm a scientist that works here. Oh, okay, what do you do? Uh, I do um, aging research and a behavioral lab here. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I just don't want my funding cut. That's the big thing. I just think it's kind of crazy that the, you know, the Trump administration has, has put people in charge of different departments that have absolutely no experience. Like uh, Betsy DeVos in charge of the, um, you know, education and, and Rick Perry in, uh, in charge of energy. Climate change has always been a concern of ours and we decided that we can't just sit and talk about it in our living room. We've got to go out and make political change, bipartisan political change, so that's why we're here. And we want to spread the word to everyone and have their voices be heard. I'm a mom and I have kids and so I'm way worried about their future and so I got involved with uh, CCL and uh, I'm here today to, to hopefully do something about climate change. Alright, so we got some more signs here. Yeah, so we've got client, uh, climate change is as real as Scott Pruitt's receding hairline. <laughs> and we've got, uh, it's getting hot in here, so take off all your coals. <laughs> got not a paid protester. That's that's an alternative fact, though, right? right. <laughs> and then I got no science equals no beer. My favorite. We all need that. Fantastic. such an amazing bernie sanders impression i listened to that last episode <laughs> could not believe how accurate that was yeah yeah when i heard it again i was like yeah if, if i worked on it a little bit you know i could i could take that somewhere for sure so yeah and in the last eight plus years republicans have gained some 900 seats in state legislatures all across this country which 
leads me and I believe you to some pretty obvious conclusions. And that conclusion is that the Democratic Party's current strategy and practices are not working. It's funny you mentioned that. Speaking of, I think that this would be a good high note. Um, Brendan and I actually had a chance to go to the Bernie Sanders and Keith Ellison rally for Heath Mello, um, the Omaha mayoral candidate. And that rally happened to be on April 20th. <laughs> so Yeah, Bernie's 420 rally. Blazing yep. it up in O-Town. Man, I was feeling the love, the Bernie love. The burn. And, yeah, the burn love. I was feeling the burn. I wasn't smelling the burn anywhere, though, uh, in the park or anything like that. Um, I was smelling protests um, from Make America Great Again where hat wearers, but... It and was, Gene Stalker. Oh, were there were there counter protesters? It was a, it was a small group. I shook hands with some of them. Yeah, there was a guy when I came out of the rally at the end of the night that had a megaphone that was yelling, "Socialism did not work. Taxation is crap." <laughs> and he wasn't yelling; he, he was it. saying it quietly. So I think you mean a megaphone. A megaphone. <laughs> oh, someone should invent that. Man, we come up some, with some great business ideas. I don't know. But yeah, it was really cool to see so many people turn out. I mean, it was like, I think they said over like 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, yeah. And there was some really cool, they had like uh, musical performances and bands there. And uh, mm-hmm. I really liked uh, Keith Ellison. I thought he gave a great speech. But it cannot be only my way. It's going to have to be part of your way too. It's going to have to be part of your way too. And I might just learn a little something if I'm willing to engage with you and understand you because we are brothers and sisters of each other. And that means, and that means that you gotta listen to me a little bit and I gotta listen to you a little bit. And we may not agree on everything, but we agree on the basics, It looked like he didn't even have any notes and he he wasn't like reading it off of anything, but he right. was throwing out so many like local references. I was like, "Wow, this is wow. this is crazy how uh, how effortlessly he's able to to talk about that stuff and still get people really hyped." One of the things that you know I noticed is like the the rally. They have a lot of people come up, and some people are like just reading off of a sheet. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. "I'm running for city council," or you know something. Um, and you could f- just feel the energy be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, we're just going to take a seat for this one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when Bernie was out there, when Keith Ellison was out a, there. It's always like the opening band, you know, where people oh, yeah. get, a little, get a little restive and like they're looking for the main act. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, and um, uh, Jane Kleb, uh, who is the uh, Democratic Party chair for the state of Nebraska, who... Uh, was like a Keystone XL pipeline activist who kind of rose through the ranks of the party. Um, She was really great too. Um, I thought she was a really engaging speaker and she talked about how, um, you know, the need for like mental health and how, you know, she had struggled with her own personal issues and was, you know, was able to work through them and stuff. And I, I think having that kind of human connection, that's one of the cool things about going to, you know, these things like the climate rally and things like this Bernie rally is you know hearing from local people why politics is important to them and sure. why it matters. Yeah. Well, the personal narrative is always going to be stronger than you know whatever talking point the like the party chair or the the party committee can come up with. Right. 
you know, that that uh, Daka speak with the dreamer. Oh, yes. Yeah. As a child, I was always praying for someone to create change to the life that I was living. What I know now is that I am the change. We are the change. She was amazing. What, did they say she was like 16? Something like that. I mean, yeah, she was definitely like student age for sure. But yeah. I mean, she she fired people up right away. I mean, there was definite urgency and anger. There was also um, a professor from the University of Nebraska, Omaha, that was speaking up for Planned Parenthood, and that seemed pretty resounding out here in Nebraska. It didn't seem yeah, like there sure. were any issues, like the controversies we've been seeing. So, yeah, I mean, it was great, but especially seeing, you know, some of these individuals from these different communities and talking about what's going on there, it really kind of revved me up. I thought that there was a lot of solidarity, unity, and respect. So it was great. Yeah, it was great. Everyone should, you know, look on Facebook, look on uh, look online and see what cool events are happening, you know, around you. Um, it's fun to go, even if you're not, like, protesting or carrying a sign. It's fun to go and just hang out, you know, yeah. talk to like-minded people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, sure. Oh, that, that reminded me just real briefly before we close out uh we were so my science marched down to fort worth um march around like a big group of city blocks and as we came back up one street there was a an overpass like a, a pedestrian overpass over there and as i was approaching i was like oh man here are the counter protesters because from a distance all i could hear was just yelling they were just chanting and one person's sign said yolo with uh, the earth as the first O mm. in it. The other person's sign from a distance is all I could read was there is no planet. And so I'm walking up going like, so we actually have counter protesters, but they're like absurdists or something. It's like uh, <laughs> flat earth. You know, right. These aren't, these aren't conservatives out here being against science. These are some kind of uh, like art students or something protesting the whole idea of, <laughs> I don't know existence, um, but uh, so it was, I, I was really actually kind of excited at that part. But no, it turned out that the sign said there is no planet B, which was one that, oh, that you yeah. know you saw at all the national marches. But for just that one moment, I was like, oh, awesome! We're we're getting counter protested by like Dadaists, right? Uh, which would have been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the the anti science group is like. Uh, absurdist uh, right. fantasy. <laughs> right, yeah. I thought you were going to say there is no planet, only Zool or something, and be like, Ghostbusters, <laughs> right, right. are they still talking about Leslie Jones? Jeez. Yeah, the counter-protesters are like mysticism. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, it didn't go that way. But yeah, speaking of events, by the time this episode actually releases, I will be in D.C., so um, hopefully I'm, well, I'm looking forward to going to the uh, climate change rally out there and hopefully some other events and stay as engaged as possible. So nice. Well, and also next week we're going to have a guest on the show, a friend of mine from law school, Apollonia Geckner, who is uh, an attorney an environmentalist who works out in the Pacific Northwest. And she's going to, I'm not sure which one, either Portland or Eugene, Oregon's uh, climate March. So we're going to have, we're going to have the entire country uh, spread here. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, the, the left coast and the east coast. Yeah, and look for the closest climate march near you and let us know what you think of that. So that'd be great. We'd love to hear from you. 
Find us on Twitter uh, at liquid underscore flannel. And also rate us on iTunes. Share us with your friends on iTunes and SoundCloud. And follow us individually. You can find me at Shaggy2Trope. Brendan, where can they find you? They can find me at Brendan Williams with one L. Matt, where are you at? I'm at Matt the Gwit with a W. And real quick, I just wanted to thank everybody who talked to me at the Fort Worth March. We're going to try to get all that audio into. So it was great. I hope you're listening to this because uh, it's, it's you on the radio. Absolutely. And thanks to everyone that talked to me in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll try to do the same. And thanks for the listeners for coming back week after week. This has been Liquid Flannel, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, everyone. Salutations. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, another great episode, everybody. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Patrick. Well, Ross. hold on. Are we, or, are we like what? totally done with the episode? I, I wasn't just, sure just what you were wanting me this. to take us out of. Oh no, no, just just uh, just wrap up the segment <laughs> since you introduced it. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> well, that was a great segment, guys. Um, we'll take a break here, and we will. Um, get back hold on with... i'll do it hold, yeah hold on. Why don't... <laughs> you do it what i yeah you fucking do it, Just do it. <laughs>